have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleina. This show has been going on for many years, and will soon be at the end of our seventh year in March. The Power of Water, bringing a concern internationally on Voice America, World Talk Radio, Apple iTunes, and more. We're syndicated that the water is at a crisis. We need to be educated. So when you're listening to the show, pretend like you're standing in a laboratory and you're listening to what might be the future of your, the water on the planet Earth, the fresh water. The influence of that fresh water on the whole planet Earth also has a relationship to the solar system because Earth has water and the atmosphere is water. And remember this, the day you were born, you entered in the air you breathe, you came from a pocket of water, you, from there on, you, it wasn't all what went down the mouth to keep you alive. The greatest influence is the vapor of the air, the water in the air that keeps you alive. Your organism must be kept alive with the atmosphere. Water, fresh water on the surface of the earth influences the atmosphere. The atmosphere influences the fresh water and both influence your cloud system and the planet you're living in with the universe. So when we're discussing what I'm going to tell you now, we're getting these reports. America's dwindling water supply is in a crisis. We've been saying this. But the rest of the world is too. Why do you think the Middle East is desert sand? Way back in time, so far long ago, they didn't have the technology we have today to understand what we need to do to preserve our water and understand the climate and the changes. But all life on Earth depends upon fresh water. So follow me with this. Americans are in the world's biggest, we are the world's biggest water consumer. And this is, I'm reading this. By 9 a.m. after showering, using the bathroom, brushing our teeth, and having a cup of coffee, each of us 
typically has used more than 30 gallons of water. Now follow me. You get up in the morning, I have a glass of water to add to that. So therefore, you're coming along, you're showering, or you're, and you're brushing your teeth, you're having a cup of coffee. I have a cup of tea, but I always have my glasses of water in the morning. I'm doing all these things, so I'm using more than 30 gallons. I'm spoiled. After doing the dishes, 12 gallons per load, running the washing machine is 43 gallons per load, watering the lawn, 10 gallons per minute, by the time we go to bed, we've used up about an average 150 gallons. For me, I probably use more because I drink a lot of water, and I know I have to. I made up a 50 trillion cells. I must drink a lot of water during the day. In, the, in northern Kentucky, they issued a de- declaration of disaster recently because the community does not ha- have enough water. Kentucky American Water, this is what they're saying, crews have worked around the clock since Tuesday, the week before, to resolve the water system issues. Kentucky, this area of Kentucky, Owenton, O-W-E-N-T-O-N, Kentucky, is having a, a disaster. Crews expected the problem to be resolved by a week ago Wednesday, and by Thursday morning it still was not uh, solved. Unexpected water levels and the system continued to be below, and after the overnight period and when it was expected, water supply would be improved, guess what? It is a problem. The shortage is expected to linger into the early part of, of this week, leading to the county executive to declare a declaration of disaster. Water wars in the United States. Georgia, Alabama, and Florida have been fighting for years over two river systems that give life to the southeast. In 1997, they agreed to form an interstate compact to, come, to try to figure it out. But now, three years, five extensions, over $20 million, nothing has happened. They're having problems. The one that I predicted long ago, the Colorado River, drought forces a painful, painful awakening in Colorado. The Colorado River and its slew of man-made reservoirs from the Rockies to the southern Arizona are being sapped up by 14 years of drought nearly unraveled in one, more than 1,250 years. I've said, and I was worried about the Colorado River. The, the, um, the, ounce, the, the ounce broad and blue river, oh, pardon me, the once broad and Blue River has in many places dwindled to a murky brown trickle. This is in Colorado. Reservoirs have shrunk to less than half of their capabilities. The canyon walls around them ringed with white and mineral deposits where water once was seen to be have been that high. Seeking to stretch their allotments of the river, Region water agencies are recycling sewage affluent water, offering rebates to tear up your lawn, and subsidize 30 appliances from dishwashers to shower heads. But many experts believe the current drought is only beginning. The new drier area uh, era of which Colorado flow may be 
they may have a problem with more diminished water all the time. This is happening around the world now. We have the world out there. We have out in the Middle East and different countries that the, the wars are just going to begin to brew. I will share with you, we must take our technology and start understanding how, what we can do to make sure that all life on earth has the water. Can you imagine the illnesses, the viruses, the bacteria and the problems in time if people are not healthy drinking enough water. When you're drinking 8 to 10 glasses of water a day, and I say drink them all at once. When you pick up the glass, drink the glass of water all at once. Many men say to me, oh my gosh, I'll have to go to the bathroom all day. That's good. That's detoxifying. You need to go to the bathroom frequently to detoxify. Water is a solvent. Before we go on to our show today, and I'm really excited about it because we're going to be discussing the global science and technology of, of global food security and water security. That's going to be quite a topic with Dr. Dwayne Cecil today. But before we move into the rest of the show, what do you believe happened in West Virginia a week ago? Hundreds of thousands of people in West Virginia, there was an accidental chemical spill in the in the, the river the river that was contaminated is a river that absolutely has influenced thousands and thousands of people the contamination in the elk river in charleston in west virginia has got a contamination of and i'll have to spell it 4-methanol cycle Exine methanol that leaked into the river, affecting over 300,000 people. They cannot wash their hands. They're not supposed to be near that water. They cannot wash their hands in it. They cannot, of course, drink the water. They can't wash their clothes. They can't do the dishes. They can't brush their teeth. They cannot shower. They cannot bathe. Guess what's happening to the hospitals, to the animals, and to you just let your imagination flow. It's gone on for over a week, and they have trying to solve the problem. But can you imagine? So, and myself being studying at the atmosphere, the air we're living in, can you imagine what that is doing to contaminate the air they're living in? Because water, bad water contaminates the air, and the air contaminates even good water. So uh, I'm, all I'm saying is join this show. Let's get the politicians thinking about the priority of life on earth is water, not some of these crazy things they're arguing about and not getting along with. We want a priority with our elected officials, water and food and all that is there to keep our earth alive and not becoming a dusty sand. And it could happen if we're not careful. We have to go out and make priorities our personal lives every day. We need to make water the number one issue, food, our life, our health is vital to each and every one of us. We are in the Health Olympics on the planet Earth. Listen to this show. Well, today we have Dr. Dwayne Cecil, who is a Ph.D. advisor uh, to many companies throughout the country and the world. We're going to be, and he's with us as an advisor, we're going to discuss today global food and water security. Can you imagine if we had a lot happen to our food sources and our water sources? What would happen to people around the world? We need to think about it. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears, I Mist. 
with just a mist. Did you know at the surface of your eye is 98% water? And that delivery room, when your eyelid opened, the atmosphere was the influence on your vision to be healthy or not healthy. If you have a vision impairment, it's because the eyes are dehydrating. You need a supplement to slow that down for a healthier eye and healthier vision. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist, and we'll be back with Dr. Cecil. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Cecil, are you with us? I'm here. Good. Um, I wanted to thank you for joining us again today. And I want to tell the audience that you have joined us to help us be an advisor to us and a consultant to help us with the atmosphere and studies of water and more on Earth. And today we're going to be discussing uh, global food and water securities. But before we do, tell the audience about your background and why this is, uh, even though it's been a, a long-term a career to you, for you, but it became a mission also. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, I'm very happy to be here today, Sharon. Thank you. Um, my background is I spent uh, 31 years with NASA, NOAA, and the U.S. Geological Survey doing research on, on global environmental changes, what, what was happening with water resources, energy resources, population, ecosystems, uh, what, what were the human impacts, and, and how were we affecting Resources and predominantly uh, working as a uh, in the federal sector for the U.S. government, we concentrated on on U.S. energy supplies and water supplies and climate change. But we are part of the global global scene in, in all of those in energy, water, and, and in climate change. So we had to look globally to see what some of the drivers were. And so today and now, I'm in the private sector. I work for um, a small company called Global Science and Technology Incorporated, and we are a weather and climate services company. We, we offer uh, meteorological and, and climate tools and data and information uh, all over the world. We have about 60 international partners that we work with, and then here in the United States as well, predominantly government agencies. But yeah, you mentioned food and water security. I want to add to that energy security as well today mm-hmm. when, we, when we chat, because they, they really are okay. all connected. And okay. just to give you a, a quick example, when I really like the statistics that you put out at the beginning of the show that what most Americans have accomplished in terms of consuming water by 9 a.m. in the morning, 
I'd like to just throw out another quick energy statistic. In the United States, we use more energy to run our air conditioners than the rest of the world combined, the entire rest of the world combined. And that's not that's a matter wild. of... That's not spoiled. Exactly. It's not temperature-driven. It's wealth. Mm-hmm. It's wealth. Yeah. And we are a wealth, wealthy nation. We should not ever take that for granted. We've worked really hard to get where we are. But we are part of the global community, and we need to start realizing what's happening in other parts of the world in terms of energy and, and water and food security and how that might mm-hmm. affect us here, here in the United mm-hmm. States, mm-hmm. how it will affect us in the United States. Well, you know, here in the United States, uh, when, when you say that, and the first thing that when anybody says something about the United States compared to, we have 50 of these states like little tiny countries, but they're together. We're in one body called the United States, but there are 50 of them. And the other countries of the world are broken up into their countries. They don't, they're not broken up like we are into uh, all these different uh, bodies of government per state. So each person behind those borders that live, they're thinking about where they live and the state they're in. So I'm thinking along the way that what each state has accomplished in so many, many years, 100-odd years longer, um, has been the wealth of understanding how we live. And yet along the way, doctor, I was finding with my studies that our forefathers, as brilliant as they are, were and at all, we've left behind what some of their priorities were way back in time. In other countries of the world, water, food resource, energy was a priority because they knew if you didn't concentrate on it and focus on it, you'd forget it, and maybe you'd be left behind to compete with another country or another state. Um, Now, did you follow me when I did mention the word compete? They compete. Absolutely. Get with each other. Their borders are competing to stay alive between England and Holland and 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 in, in the Middle East and all these Asian countries. Everybody is competing to survive within their own borders and be loyal to that survival. So the technology inside of each of those locations, whether it be here in the country, our country, whether it be the New York uh, State, uh, California State. Florida State, Oregon State, where I'm sitting, you're probably sitting in North Carolina today, and uh, oh, by the way, I watched that game. <laughs> no, thanks <laughs> I'll get for back that to up. that pretty soon. <laughs> I'll get back to that yeah, later. But anyway, back up. to all these states. Our forefathers liked to break us up into states like little countries, so we would be competitive. Our technology would be owned inside that state. And well, I think what's happened... Uh, uh, tell me whether I'm right or wrong. We we have lost it here in the United States. We're no longer being the priority of the loyalty in each in, in within that state to become an economy independent, uh, energy independent, uh, our food independence, and I guess there's a water problem going on. Well, I think that I would put a little bit different spin on that. I think that, okay. that our, our forefathers really had the foresight to, to construct our country in the way that it did in the states with state sovereignty and state rights. And you gave two really good examples with water starting out. The, the issue in Kentucky where they're having a, a supply and availability issue and the issue in, in West Virginia where they're having a pollution issue. 
And so the states have the ability to respond to those things quickly, to use resources within the state for the citizens within that state. And the federal government's an umbrella over that to help out. Uh, I, I realize that the the Obama administration has declared a state of emergency in West Virginia with this this chemical spill. So there's the feds are there to to help out, but the states in this country are 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 like small countries themselves. They have states' rights because of our forefathers. They have sovereignty, and many of the states and really good examples are right now are Texas and Indiana are really moving forward with all kinds of initiatives, tax incentives, and bringing jobs into their states and. They're, they're operating like small countries, and, and we're unique in the world that way. And I think, for, right, for, for better or for worse, one of the things that, that ties all these small countries we call states together is a common language, where you don't see that in Europe, where the, the countries are sizes of states, but each of them have a unique, different language. And so that adds some barriers and opportunities as well. And I, the United States is really unique that way. So I think we're, very we're, in unique. A, you know, we're yeah, really in a unique position. But what we have to start realizing, especially with, with energy resources and, and food and water security, that there are going to be issues over the next decade on a global scale that are with countries that are partners of ours. And this is a really good segue and example I wanted to talk about today. Saudi Arabia is one of our strongest allies in the Middle East. And until last year, the largest oil producer on the planet. The United States actually passed Saudi Arabia in 2013 as the number one oil producer in the world. Just think about that. The United States is the number one oil producer in the world. We don't necessarily have the largest oil reserves, but we are the number one oil producer in the world. Saudi Arabia is second largest oil producer in the world, and we are their largest customer. So think in your minds, your listeners, think in your minds, your geography, where Saudi Arabia is a large country in the Middle East. They have about 27 million people, and about 1% of their land is arable. They cannot grow food. It's, it's sand and deserts with lots and lots of oil under it. They don't have water. It's the largest country in the world with no rivers. They don't have fresh water. They don't have arable land. They have a growing population that's now at 27 million people. They're one of our best allies in the world, especially in that part of the world. And so what are they doing for food and water security? Oh, yeah. I really think about it. The United States, 16% of our land is arable. We can farm 16% of our land we have, we're blessed, really, in large developed countries of the world, we are blessed in terms of agriculture in this country. Right. We are. We have the water, we have the, the, the climate, the weather for growing good crops, we have and the, the technology. And the geography, uh, there must have been a higher power because the geography of all of the United States is suitable, also applicable to be able to have uh, what is necessary to for agriculture, we're not not every there's not all in, uh, everything uh, dominant of sand, desert. There's not dominant of the big mountains to to slow that down. We have these suitable, just perfect locations throughout the United States in almost every state to be able to have an agricultural economy. Right. Right. But some countries don't. They don't have that geography. Well, they don't have that geography. And Saudi Arabia, is a, again, is a perfect example. It's a yeah. wealthy nation. 
It has a great natural resource that it exploits mm-hmm. for its economy. 80% of its economy, mm-hmm. of, of Saudi Arabia's economy, is from the oil industry. And mm-hmm. yet, they can't feed their people. 1% mm-hmm. of their land is arable. In 1970, they had groundwater resources in Saudi Arabia about the size of Lake Erie in this country. They had that much water available. In by, 1970? In 1970. By 2010, four-fifths of that water was gone. They had mined it, used it to grow crops as their population was growing, used it to irrigate lands, and the water's gone. They're in an arid desert climate, and when you irrigate, and we see it in the western United States, and our farmers have learned to be very careful about how they irrigate in arid and semi-arid areas because you lose it to the atmosphere. Right. Four-fifths of their groundwater is gone. They have no water, they have no arable land, and their population's growing. That just, that's the first time I've heard it, and thank, I, I'm so glad you're bringing that out, because the listeners need to understand that the Power of Water show is bringing to attention education, not fear, wisdom. And we, we, we need to think about what we need to do every day as a person to take serious this education, so go on. Um, Now, this is what I've said for so long, that in the countries of the desert sand and the diminishing of water, because they did have water at one time, and they did not think with technology that we have available to us today how how not to to protect that water source for for the livelihood of each location. I don't care if you're in a city or a country. Um, everybody needs that fresh water to survive. So they didn't think about the water in those days. They were just thinking about the industry of the oil business going worldwide. Yeah, that, that's true. They did yeah. not make a priority. They didn't have a priority. Now, that's been worrying me uh, about this country, the United States, and the world. We've got to get a priority. Now, we know that for agriculture, for food, and you wanted to discuss today food security, that is going to endanger, and I, I like the word endanger, our food security. Oh, absolutely. It's going to endanger energy security. Food security, water security. Let, let me set the stage for the example I'm going to give with, and tell you what Saudi Arabia has done to, to address this, okay. this issue. And it really impacts the United States, what they've decided to do. So to set the stage, let's back up a little bit. In, in 2012 and 2013, there was an assessment in the United States by a panel of, of security experts from Department of Defense, from the White House, from uh, the Department of State, uh, from universities, and, and they got together and they took a look at U.S. partners on a global scale and where they thought that water security was going to be an issue in the next decade. And so they came up with, they looked at, and, and they concentrated on, on partners and that really have an impact on the United States. And uh, I'm going to ask your readers to, to think about their geography now, and I'll explain it as best I can, but they looked at the area between the Nile River, which is northern Africa, and the Mekong River, which most people in this country, for my generation anyway, know well because of the Vietnam War era. So from the Nile River in northern Africa to the Mekong River in Vietnam, they looked at the area in between there. That includes the Mideast, where we've been embroiled in, in two wars in Iran and I mean, sorry, Iraq and Afghanistan over the last decade. 
That's where Saudi Arabia is. That's where India and China, the two largest populated nations, largest populations in the world, India and China are between those two river areas. So they concentrated there and looked at what's driving water security for the United States, partners that we have to think about and we have to, to deal with here at home. What were the three things driving water security issues there? They were population growth, economic development. India and China are growing like crazy, becoming uh, more like Western economies and taking more and more resources, even beyond water, mineral and energy resources. And the third thing was climate change. And so they looked at, at that area and decided that population growth and economic development were really what we need to concentrate on right now. Climate change, and I'll talk a little bit more about that when we look at this, what Saudi Arabia is attempting to do to address their food and water security issues. But climate change was something that, and we've talked about this on your show before, it happens slowly, relatively slowly, and we can adapt, we can be resilient, we can, we can build sustainable communities if we understand how the climate's changing. And it doesn't really matter what's driving those climate changes, whether it's natural or whether humans really have an influence on it. The atmosphere is warming up. That, that's been fully accepted by the scientific community. What still is debating is whether or not it's natural or human-driven. For these examples we're going to talk here, it really doesn't matter. Climate change is, is a, a relatively slow enough process that we can plan and adapt and change to that. Population growth and economic development are happening very, very quickly. So they concentrated on this. So there's the background of they looked at this area for water security, and we're going to hone in on Saudi Arabia. I've already given the example of they don't have water. They don't have arable land. Their population is growing. They do have money. They have a large economy. It's a very wealthy nation. So what they've done, and get your geography out again, to the south and west of Saudi Arabia across the Red Sea is a country called Ethiopia. Ethiopia is about the same size as Saudi Arabia, has 97 million people, exploding population growth. It's going to double in 24 years. But they have arable land, about 12, 13% of their country's arable land. They have a farming agrarian community, their population. Saudi Arabia has signed a 99-year deal to lease 500,000 hectares in Ethiopia and have Ethiopia grow the food for Saudi Arabia. Now think about that. That'd be like the United States asking Canada to provide all of our oil and gas, asking Mexico to grow all the food for us. And think about what could happen when you do that. Dwayne, I have to take one of those commercials. I only have one in between, and we're going to come back on that. Just same question. Okay. Uh, because I've been tapping into some of the Ethiopia politics that have been happening because of water. Exactly. Uh, and we'll discuss that, too. We'll take a moment. Okay. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Uh, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Mist with Just a Mist. We'll be back with Dr. Cecil. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, Dr. Cecil, you were just talking about uh, the Saudi Arabia nation uh, signing a 99 year contract with Ethiopia. Yes, for 500,000 hectares, that's over a million acres. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're going to provide the funding. Ethiopia is going to provide the, the workers, and Saudi Arabia is going to provide the in- infrastructure and the capacity building, the training. And Ethiopia is going to grow food for Saudi Arabia. because they Now, where is Ethiopia? Water. They're going through a real political problem because of water issues, too. Um, they are. Because of rivers. Um, you want to tell our audience about what Ethiopia is going through? Well, see, that's some of the challenge. I, I mentioned they have something like 11 12% of their surface area. Their land is arable that they can farm. The rest of it is drought-prone, so they have food issues of their own. So therein lies the challenge. And so one of our strongest allies in the region doesn't have food and water, can't continue to import it from around the world because everyone's having food and and water issues. So they've decided to partner. And this is just one example. There, I said 500,000 hectares, again, over a million acres. There are 10 similar deals around the world of over a million hectares that are being leased from one country to another for food security. Uh-huh. And so without the water, you don't have the food. And then you can, right. you can put the energy resources on top. Well, of that's it. what I was reading here um, uh, last June. Ethiopia's parliament ratified a treaty that grants permission to upstream countries to have irrigation hydropower projects without Egypt's approval and Egypt has, has got a lot of new migration of people coming in uh, because of the disc, uh, the problems of, uh, in other countries. Uh, what are they going to do about the water? And it, and it only takes, and let's go back to climate change, it only takes two years in a row of drought-like conditions on the arable land in Ethiopia mm-hmm. to make this deal go sour between Saudi Arabia and Ethiopia. So then what happens in Ethiopia is a country made up of many religions, many relig- many factions within the religions, many tribes. And so what happens is, is projected that what could happen is that as the food is produced, Ethiopia keeps it. And so the point here is that, that partners to the United States that are 
integral to our security here in our country and our energy resources are having these same kinds of issues, energy, water, food security. And so they're, they're crafting what seem to be pretty clever deals to be able to provide food and water security to their, their population. And yet, because the global community is the way the global community is, it really raises security issues across borders that affect U.S. partners, U.S. allies, right. Right. and affects this country as well. You know, your, your example earlier about the states and how our states work with each other, it's really unique. It's a unique situation in the United States, and yet we can't, we can't close our country. We can't just concentrate on our food and water and energy security. We have to be part of this global community, and, and to bring it home again, the United States, even within our own boundaries, we don't have a water policy. We don't have an energy policy. We don't have a, a policy from the federal government level on uh, climate variability and change, and we just go from one min- administration to the next and responding on whether the, the Democrats are in charge or the Republicans are in charge or independent Whoever is in charge. Who's ever in charge. <laughs> back and forth every four mm-hmm. years or six years mm-hmm. of, of how we respond to these things on a global scale. Mm-hmm. And it's because of population growth, and I've talked about this before in your, on your program, Mm-hmm. That's really, to, to, from from my experience over almost 40 years now of looking at environmental change data, whether it's climate change data or water resource data or energy Do resource data. Do you believe, data, Doctor, that people are confused? Um, you know, people out there got, uh, uh, all of a sudden we had this global warming uh, where there was an award, an Academy Award, global warming, that we should be thinking about that. Uh, people were wondering, okay, what is really global warming? And then we bring back to uh, their education, to their table, that there's other, there's uh, there's water issues, there's food issues, there's energy issues. People that it, they go to work every day, get out of bed, uh, and do that, brush your teeth, uh, have the cup of coffee, have the breakfast, go to work. They're uh, they're concentrating on holding on to their job nowadays and not losing it, and then coming back at night in the traffic or whatever, going home to how do you pay your bills if something goes wrong in the home that day with distractions. And yet people, they're watching TV, they're going to the Internet, but they're inundated with so much information, and the the focus, there's no focus. Uh, People have got to be so confused on what should be a priority for for their existence. And I think they're just thinking, like, years ago, doctor, I saw this bumper sticker on somebody's uh, back of their car, I'm taking it all with me. And, I, and, I, and I've never forgotten it, yeah. because there are people out there who are so busy, they don't mean to take it all with them, but they haven't been taking any time to understand the, the priority of which one should I be focusing on for my life's existence and those who I leave behind to also exist on this planet. They're confused. Oh, I think that's a that's an excellent point, and it, especially in this country. I mean, we have easy access to all kinds of media, and I think it's also been a, made a challenge for. We've gone from from talking about global warming, which is not politically correct in in this country, in the United States. Now, it's not politically correct to talk about global warming. We can talk about climate change, but we can't talk about global warming. And so, 
I think that's a that that is a result of this bombardment through the media of of all these things that are happening in the United States, the things that are happening globally. And I, but I we need to turn. I feel like could we there, need to turn those into opportunities. Yeah, excuse me for interrupting there, but could we have called it something that people could hang on to rather than the word global warming? You know, I've always said, Doctor, the greatest invention of all inventions is the person who started out with one word. Each word becomes an invention. We're inundated with all this description of words. Now we learned because of the Internet, there's an algorithm to our world out there. And the rhythm that is happening out there, we've, uh, that's why I started this show. I'm trying to figure out myself mm-hmm. with my background and analysis what is the what could we do to prioritize for people to understand that there's got to be something that they would understand that would be a priority to every day getting out of bed and be in the health olympics every single human being i don't care if you're homeless what could you do to be part of the health olympics on the planet earth to be participating uh, I, I said it was water. Uh, now we know that it's water and it's food, energy, and whatever. But people have got to focus in uh, because they're so confused about where, where are they going to come from because they're not scientists. They, they're going to work and making other priorities for us all to live, whether they're filling, making the milkshake or they're the engineer on the track or they're doing the building the roads. Everybody has a focus on something they're doing to make life better for all of us to live and 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 enjoy our lives. Then there are people who do what you and I do and others have done, focus on research and some priorities that are important for a survival for everyone to live and for the planet to be here for hopefully eternity and not everybody become the desert sand on this planet. And what? that can happen if we're not careful. Well, I, I agree with, with everything you say. And so I would, what, we, what I think that we need to concentrate on, number one is water. And I've said that before, and I've, I've given you the example many times of when I was the Western Region Climate Services Director for NOAA working out of the Salt Lake City office, the National Weather Service Regional Office, that I interacted often with the Western Governors Association and if I went into meetings of the Western Governors Association and I talked about climate change and certainly don't talk about global warming, it's just you, you don't do that in this country anymore. You talk about climate change, climate variability and change. I lost their intention. If I went into a meeting and talked about water, I had all their attention, whether they, uh, whether that's they were good Democrat, for a Republican. Here. Exactly. I'm glad to hear that well, because it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it should be. And, you know, um, there's something here that we all need to think about. Okay, if we do agree that water is a priority to all that affects everything, it's the influence to all that there is alive, that people need to start thinking about priority number one, water, priority number two, priority number three. But we got to make sure the priority number one is solid and people are understanding what it, that, that and then move second into a second priority with phases and stages so that people are understanding. Now, you were saying, this is fascinating, with Saudi Arabia focusing on uh, food security. Um, going into a country like uh, with Ethiopia, although Ethiopia is having a lot of problems with Egypt, with water. Yes, yeah, they are. And, and 
And so I sat in a couple of days ago on a, a panel discussion. Yes, uh, how did that go? You told me you were going to be in was, on it. This was the example that, that was put out there for the, the panelists to, to think about and, and talk about what, what could happen. And you really don't want to go there. You don't want to talk about having a couple of drought years and, and the agricultural system collapsing and Saudi Arabia demanding its food that it's paid for. And you, know, you just don't want to think about those kinds of things. You want to think that, that we can work across borders just like we work across the states here in the United States. But mm-hmm. I think the, the, the backup a little bit to your question about how do we focus I think there's four things, and, and the and the first one I'm a little bit prejudiced, and it's actually a um, a combined uh, focus, and that's education and personal choice. There we go. Mm-hmm. And then water, food, and energy. And so so how do we, on a personal basis, make those choices in our own lifestyles to go from the the jacked up four door full sized V8 pickup truck to something that that's more practical and and doesn't impact the environment and doesn't use as much energy and doesn't uh, it, it's easier to build and easier to maintain and so how do we start making educating folks and making those choices and I think that's some of the things that we have to concentrate on and yet it's hard to do that let's back up to the West Virginia and the Kentucky examples you're trying to do those things in your personal lives and all of a sudden sudden something you don't have control of a company that's trying to help the economy and help the energy resources in this country, the small chemical firm called Freedom, the name of the, the, the company, one of their tanks has a hole in it and 7,500 gallons of this 4-methylcyclohexane methanol leaks out, gets into the Elk River, and 300,000 people, their lives are are stopped in their tracks. They can't take showers. They can't brush their teeth. They can't wash their hands. They can't. And they're having to breathe it in the atmosphere. They're having to breathe it in the atmosphere. And, and so you, you, you try to work through these priorities as a nation, the education and personal choice and, and water, food, and energy, and, and something like this happens. And so how do we respond to that as a people? And it goes back to what you talked about earlier, that each state is like a sovereign nation, our forefathers had this great idea of putting this federal umbrella over it, and, that, and that's what brings us together as a people. Whether it was 9-11 in New York City and in, in Washington, D.C., or it's in what's going on in West Virginia, we, res- we respond as states and local governments and local peoples, but when there are situations like this that really change your lives, we respond as a nation, and I, I, that's unique. But how do we fit into the, into the global picture as, as these other nations face these kinds of of security issues that do affect us. They will mm-hmm. most definitely affect us. Mm-hmm. And so how do, we, now, how do we address uh, that? Exactly. And then I think about all the countries of the world that have had this challenge for so long. You think that we would have been aware of it, what they were dealing with, and we that it could eventually come here. Isn't it? It's just strange how we're all so human, but it's not an excuse any longer. That we have uh, we put priorities ahead of what is important. The, the word proactive, I, I I really passion on the word proactive, doctor, because when you're ahead of things to happen. Then, then you 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 can be prepared and be flexible. But nowadays, we're so inundated with way too much going on, and to be proactive and put priorities on future issues, we're not doing. And and we're look. I'm looking at the money 
in our country that is being wasted, just thrown out the door by the, the word billions now, no longer millions, mm-hmm. billions and billions and billions of dollars out the door without a priority or a really good plan. Um, you know, to run a business, as you know, I have to have a business plan. I can't run it without a business plan. So that in the business plan, we studied how can you be flexible during that challenge and things didn't go quite that day the way you thought they were. And we're, we're putting money that is, it's like they're burning money up and throwing it away. Although in the United States, I'm going to be a little facetious, we've been printing it, which isn't the way to do it. No family gets to print their own money. That's right. That's right. And they're all hurting and expecting uh, all of us that are in positions in the country to be in a position to take care of what they need while they're working to build the economy. And, and, and I, that's how I look at it, doctor. When those people go to work every day, whether it be fast food, go in the grocery store, uh, our gas stations, our schools, I don't care where a person's working, they're helping build the economy. They're helping set the stage. They're going to work, and yes, they're putting money on their table, hopefully to pay their bills. But when the priorities are not what is best for their survival and making them healthy, ha- healthy, happy, uh, happiness comes if you're healthy, that all of a sudden we, everybody's let them down. All these hard-working people. And then those people who don't even have a job that want to go look for a job. And then those billions and billions and billions of dollars are thrown away like they're throwing it on a campfire. Well, I want to go back to population. You you look at the United States population. We projected out to 2050. Right now we're at 315 million people. And project our population out to the year 2050. We're going to be about 65, 70 million more people. But the rest of the world's going to go from 7 billion right now to 9 billion or more. Well, I can give you, I, I have this in front of me every Monday uh, for the show, and I didn't, I don't always say it. The United States population grew in the last two weeks by 35,866 people. Nationwide here, it is now at, 317,361,577 people in the world. It grew in the last two weeks by 1,488,673. The world population now is 7,138,774,936 people growing and, and growing every day and growing. Every day. Yeah, it is. Having to share our resources together, and then we're feuding um, uh, with what what we want and we don't want to make ourselves what. But back to food security. Uh, When you were having those discussions with all those different individuals, how many individuals showed up for the discussion? Uh, There were, I believe, five panelists or six panelists and a, mm-hmm. and a moderator, and, and mm-hmm. there were, were tens of people online listening in mm-hmm. on the webinar. Right. So it was a, there were a lot of people involved in it. I want to take us back to that um, National Security Council assessment of, of global water security yeah, and the that. drivers. The drivers okay. were, again, population, economic development, and climate change. Mm-hmm. And so let's just talk about population and 
economic development and just talk about two countries, India and China, and you're giving those population figures. They are both over a billion people right now, and their economies are developing hand over fist, trying to become Western economies. And that drives water security and food security and energy security for the entire globe, just those two countries, because they are over a billion people. And, and you, you look at India in particular, it's about 130 million people less than China right now, but they're going to soon pass China because their growth rate over the last 10 years is something on the order of 11 or 12% growth rate. The, the population growth, growth rate in the United States right now is less than 1%. And so it's these developing nations, which are already large in terms of population, and their economies are starting to eat up the mineral resources, the energy resources, the food and water resources of the globe that really drives the security for all the other countries. Right. And, and so how are we addressing that? Well, and, and I was reading something, too, where India is more polluted than China. They're, India is number one. Yeah, and, that, and that's another challenge from both those countries. The atmosphere indoors, outdoors, and, and the problems they're going to have um, with time and what's going to happen with the frustration of those countries to deal with all of the challenges that they have to deal with to be healthy. And that breath of life is how you're healthy. Um, but we're all out of time, darn it, and I enjoyed every bit. Now, do it, well, how would you like to close? Where would they go to, to come into your website and, and go further with this? Um, I, I would like to, to direct them to the, uh, the National Council for Science and the Environment and look at their security and sustainability form, forms. That's okay. the Nation, National Council for Science and the Environment. That's a not-for-profit in the Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. area, and they have mm-hmm. these these forums and these webinars and, and panel discussions on mm-hmm. on a myriad of topics. Mm-hmm. This last one was, was food security, and we talked about the, the Saudi Arabia-Ethiopia example. The next one is on India, mm-hmm. trying to geoengineer the atmosphere against global warming by putting aerosols into the air that reflects sunlight. India is really thinking about doing that. That affects everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And so I would, experimenting. I would direct your, your listeners to the National Council for Science and the Environment, and, and you can, can get a lot more in-depth information on these issues. Well, we're going to have to have another that. one of these uh, shows like this one here, Not Too Far Future, because there is no ending to what the education is necessary. It's like you said, education is vital to everybody's outlook. It is. And to personal choices. Well, thank you for joining us today. I really enjoyed it, and I am so glad you picked the topic of what we did because it could have gone on for another hour easily. But thank you so much and being with us, and uh, you have a nice day, and you be well. You too, and thanks, Sharon. Thank you for all that you're doing, Doctor. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have. I enjoy every single guest that's come on from day one. But Dr. Cecil is amazing to me of what he contributes to what we're doing. And he is right. We need education vital, and that's why this show has been sponsored for over almost seven years. 
But I want you to think about this. Every day, the power of water is in your life. But don't take it for granted because there's others out there that are going to start wanting to, to share it with you. And you may not want to share it all because right now we've been pretty spoiled about how you get up and drink fresh water at your tap, having to live your life as much uh, the way you want, uh, choose with your water. Embrace your life, every special moment, and somebody else's too. But Earth Whispers, never say goodbye. And that means leave something behind for everyone for eternity. I want to thank you for listening. You be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.